I wasn't going to build something that I wouldn't want myself. And I like flexibility, you know, so I like creating within boundaries. I mean, there's some guidelines. Welcome to the Book Desserts podcast series. I'm your host, Carrie Dobson. I'm so excited to have you here as we explore the sweet side of author-led groups. This podcast is for you if you're already an author or you have a book in the making. And when you think about the impact that you want to have, yes, you have your book and you want to go beyond your book and you want some of that work that you're going to do out in the world to include groups. I hope you're ready for this tasty exploration of author-led groups. Let's jump into this next episode. Welcome to this edition of the Book Desserts podcast series. I'm super excited for today's conversation. I have the wonderful Linda Hoops with me. I'm going to introduce her, get her to introduce herself in a second. But the purpose of today's conversation is really to give you another example of how you can create a certification program, an assessment, all sorts of things, including a book around the business that you're trying to build. So Linda, I'd love if you'd start us off just kind of introducing yourself, the work that you do, um, and especially kind of talking a little bit about, you know, how the certification program came to be. So I'm going to take you back a little ways in time. First of all, I'm Linda Hoops. I'm delighted to be here. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and um, I got started in the work that I'm doing. My background is in industrial and organizational psychology. And after a few years as a college professor, I went to work as the research director for a firm that was in the organizational change consulting space. And one of the things that uh, we were curious about then was why is it that some people seem to be able to move through organizational change more easily than others? And out of that came this idea of um, understanding resilience as, as a key to that. Now, this was before everybody in the world started talking about resilience. This was 30 some odd years ago. And so one of the things that, um, that we did was to put together a framework, a set of muscles, if you will, that people appear to use. We did a literature review and so on. And then we built an assessment to help um, people on, in, on the personal development front. And so from there, I've taken that into two different books, a certification program that teaches people to use the assessment and to use a bunch of the material in their own coaching and training programs. And we've built this international community of practice of people who have been through, including you, by the way, yes. uh, who have been through this, uh, uh, this certification process. And um, it's it's really a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the things that I'd love for you to kind of talk about is the certification program and your approach to it and kind of what is appealing about it for you? Why does it work for you and your organization? Sure. I'm a person who doesn't like to do the same thing more than about two or three times. And so what I really, really love doing, so so my metaphor for what I do is, is a spider plant. So you have this plant, and then it has other plants and those plants get rooted in their soil and they go out and make more plants. And so, so when I think about what I do, it's really about equipping people with a language, some tools and stuff to go out and plant this idea of resilience in their own communities. So the certification process has kind of unfolded over time. Um, 
a big part of it is focusing on teaching people to use the personal resilience profile assessment, because as a psychologist myself, I feel an ethical responsibility to make sure that if we're giving people individual feedback and so on, that we are doing a really professional job of interpreting it and helping them make meaning out of it, because it's very easy for people to get feedback and, and not find it helpful. And so so the certification process um, used once upon a time, way before COVID, was getting people in a room and working on things together. But also way before COVID, um, because we had such a global group of people, we moved to a virtual process and you know, all of the different technologies, WebEx and whatever and whatever. And so we were actually in very good shape when the pandemic hit because our we do a, essentially a hybrid program. We do live Zoom calls with assignments in between that include practicing finding someone to complete the assessment and writing up an interpretation and discussing it in class and then going and having the feedback session and then coming back and talking about how that went. But then we also um, provide people a slide deck, an instructor guide, handouts, exercises, all of that kind of stuff that's all built around this same core framework that, um, that give people the wherewithal to go out and tailor their own um, sessions and programs and things. As you alluded to, it was definitely how, you know, I, I did your work. I met you before. You were so generous during kind of the beginning of, uh, of COVID um, to, to, to have a conversation with me. And I followed your work and read the book. And I said, okay, I want to get certified on this. And what I, I really appreciate about the certification, which you alluded to, is just how detailed it is in terms of setting you up for success. And one of the things that I, I really appreciate and valued is how many different ways you really help support people to kind of take the message out, you know, the different materials, you know, you help people to get ready to do one-on-one -on -one work, to do work in groups, all that kind of thing. I'm curious, what was it that made it so that you were like, no, I want flexibility in the certification so that people can kind of use it in a myriad of different ways? Because I hate people telling me exactly how I have to do things. I, like, I wasn't going to build something that I wasn't going to eat myself, right? Yes. Um, you know, the drink your own champagne, eat your own dog food, whatever, you know, whatever you, you choose from that. But um, I wasn't going to build something that I wouldn't want myself. And I like flexibility. You know, so I like creating within boundaries. I mean, there's some guidelines, um, you know, don't go change in the, the core language. We, you know, part of part of this is having a common language and a common framework. And so, you know, we need to protect that kind of thing. And so then you get into that whole world of intellectual property and how you set expectations with people about what they can and can't do with material. But, you know, I think we've done a pretty good job of balancing, um, holding a standard uh, but giving people a lot of room to move around within that. And in fact, I've gotten really interested. I mean, this started in the world of organizational change, but I'm really interested in how resilience shows up in other groups and communities. And so, um, so this idea of having a core framework and then bringing it to different places is, um, you know, for instance, um, I have, I, I just finished uh, another book with a woman who is, uh, an expert in work in working with parents uh, who are raising children with disabilities. And we took the same framework, but we applied it to specific challenges that people in um, in that world are facing and then use this framework to analyze it. And so she 
um, is taking this work and using the same language, the same materials and so on, but she's picking and choosing and pulling what she wants to do with that group that speaks to their specific language, doesn't get technical on them, you know, talks about the concerns that they have. And I, and I love that. The spider web plant is a perfect way of thinking about that, right? Because it's it's this idea of you've given people through your certification and your work this framework. And then it's these books, right? Because this is the first of many is really saying, okay, for this unique group of people, how does this framework, what does it look like in this environment so that people can really connect not with just the framework, but the examples and the ch six challenges as they come to life for each of these groups. Mm -hmm. And I actually yeah. um, believe that she is in the process of working on her own group program that's based on using that framework within that community to, to bring people together. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of community, right, um, what is your approach to community with this, these, this group of people? You have this international group. How do you approach community and what do you keep kind of doing to, to keep people engaged? During the pandemic, I, I actually started weekly calls, like we have an email list, right? But we started weekly calls with practitioners around the world. We just set up a Zoom call to just talk about what the heck is going on. How do we support each other? How do we put the mask on our own face first? But over time, that sort of stretched out. Um, and so now once a quarter, we have a global call. And we focus in on some aspect of the work and do some breakouts and we record those calls for sharing. And then we also have um, a practitioner, an online place that's a practitioner learning and support center, which is, I'm, I'm actually in the process of migrating that a little bit and making it more of a community center that has more places where people can have a discussion exchange. We have a LinkedIn group. It's not super active, but one of the things that I've found is that Curating a community and getting keeping a community active is not just uh, let's put a place for them. You know, you have to you have to have you know initiate conversations and get things going and stir things up. So so I would say primarily the the newsletter which which I send out periodically, not super regularly. Um, again, I don't like to get a bunch of newsletters, so I only write when I have something to say. Um, we have these quarterly calls that are on a regular schedule, and then we have this online place where people can find additional information, videos, guidance, and I'm starting to build in more places for people to discuss things or pop up opportunities. You know, I'm, I'm looking for somebody to collaborate with on this or, you know, whatever. And now these books that I'm working on, of working one-on-one -on -one with people around their areas of expertise to bring the framework to, to their particular community. Very cool. So um, if someone's listening or watching and they think this spider web idea, kind of your approach to certification sounds like something I'm interested in or sounds like what I would be more interested in, what's one piece of advice or kind of one action that you think someone could take to kind of move them forward in this approach? I think that for me, it starts with the framework preceded the book. Mm -hmm. So, so having a core set of language, I actually now have three books. I've got this one that I co-authored, but I have one that has the seven muscles in it. And then I have another one that's called Prosilience that adds some additional building blocks based on the latest learning. And so what I would say is figure out what the underlying model is, um, you know, and, 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 and that flows through um, because if you have a common language and a common framework, then it's easier to do that network kind of thing and to make it happen in different places. Um, 
I'd say that's the first thing that comes to mind is is just that idea of of a common framework and a common language that that kind of underlies the thing. That's perfect, right? It's that foundational framework, as you said, that you can then build things off of, but you need that framework first. So the action you can take is what is that framework for the work, your body of work? Right. And then and then really who's your, who's your audience? I mean, we did we did some work on um I don't know, use case scenarios like and and we found that the people that we want to reach are not necessarily the people who want to build their resilience, but the people who want to help other people build their resilience. So that turns out to be people in organization development and coaches and consultants who are working in the change space or are working in the personal development space. And so when we reach those people, they are the touch points who then have the reach into their own communities. Brilliant. I love it. Awesome. Linda, I thank you so much for spending time together um, today and, and just letting us know kind of your experience. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you for being such an encouraging spirit. Well, authors, that concludes this episode of the Book Desserts podcast series. If you're ready to start exploring how to go beyond your book with group programs, I encourage you to visit our website at jjdak.com. That's jjdak.com. On there, you can download our Design Your Groups with Ease workbook, which has some great checklists and questions you can ask yourself when you're thinking about designing your own group. If you're more interested in having a conversation with me, your host, Carrie Dobson, you can go ahead and book a complimentary group program clarity session right there on the website. I'd love to have a conversation with you about your book and about your group that you'd like to put out into the world. Until next time, may your dreams be filled with your own book desserts. Mm -hmm.